G'day, everybody. It's time for another Sordo and Redders Winter Series podcast. I've got the new shirt on, Daniel Saunders, and I might add over there, the new Sordo uh, and Redders shirt on, Big Boy. Beautiful. I think you. I was asked to show that to everybody tonight. Um, Saunders, first of all, very good evening to you, sir. Hi, Redders. Great to be here. And, um, yeah, really looking forward to another Winter Series cricket podcast. And, ladies and gentlemen, it's a very special guest tonight because you're actually talking a historic time in Newcastle cricket. We're speaking with the new chairman of the Newcastle District Cricket Association, Aaron Gray. And Aaron has just been announced as the new chair. Aaron, first of all, welcome. Thank you. And sincere congratulations, sir. Thank you. Um, It is a pleasure to be with you guys. Actually, first time on the podcast. So how good. Happy to... uh... Sit in and go through one of those sessions. I've sat next to both of you in commentary um, plenty of times, so I'm looking forward to another little session here. Fantastic. Aaron, take us back. When when did you start playing our great game? Where's your junior base? Talk to us about, and we'll go back and talk about your cricket first, and then we'll go into administration after that. But talk to us about your cricket and where, where you started off and how you got involved at, 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 um, at J.R. Ron Hill. Yeah, so uh, I started playing as a seven-year-old in 1991 at uh, Southern Lakes uh, Cricket Club. So I uh, met Robert Holland very early in the process because he was obviously one of the founding fathers of that junior club and um, very close uh, throughout his entire time uh, with the junior club there. But, yeah, so I started 91, uh, played... Uh, I was actually more of a Dora Creek junior uh, after that because the way the two clubs connected back then was you had uh, a lot of kids from down in that South Lakes area and a lot from up in more the West Lake area. And whichever one dominated the participation or the registrations, we used to go to Dora Creek if there was six or seven from that area. And the next year, if there was six or seven from the West Lakes, we'd move up. So we actually flicked between the two two clubs. Uh, I probably played two stints with each club as a junior, uh, but with the same players. So quite an unusual um, setup. But then, uh, yeah, so my junior cricket was uh, was formative years. We're down in that South West Lakes area. Moved into grade cricket um, around the age of 14. And I would have been, oh, where was that? So that was obviously playing at Cardiff. Um, and that was through a relationship with our one of our teachers at school was actually the secretary at Cardiff Bullaroo, James Lorraine. Um, and he uh, he got us and a bunch of other students up to play senior cricket there. And it's really funny because it was one of the um, one of the more motivators, you know, later in life when I became an administrator as to why I wanted the juniors and the seniors to work closer at Southern Lakes uh, was because there was, a, there was people slipping through the cracks there and I was one of those. Uh, but I had four years at Cardiff, um, still connect with a lot of those people I played with back then. In fact, my first grade captain in fifth grade, Brad Somerville, I uh, only uh, sold a cricket bat to him on the weekend. So um, it's really funny how you stay in touch with people through social media these days. Uh, yep. Anyway, I went back to grade cricket and um, at Southern Lakes in uh, when I was about 19 and played there my whole career ever since. Um, that that's a really interesting story about flicking between the two as juniors and then going across to Southern Lakes. Um, talk to us about the influence that Bob Holland did have 
on not just you, but the the, the, the young people coming through. Oh, I only had the pleasure of meeting uh, Bob Holland towards um, towards the end of his life when I first got involved. But talk to us what kind of influence he had had on you personally and your cohort. Yeah, well, look, I was fortunate. I was the same age as his nephew. And um, so I actually spent a fair bit of time, um, you know, being guided by him off the oh, on the field, sorry, as much as anything else. But, you know, I reflect back to the, you know, probably, oh, geez, I was in the middle to late 90s. So I was probably in my, uh, you know, four or five years into my junior career. And, you know, Robert rang every junior junior player in that club to get them to come and re-register and play, you know. And, and obviously, you know, in our circumstances, based on our geographic area, at times that was lobbying the team to then potentially give it to Dora Creek. So, um, yeah, I mean, to have a player that was only in that, you know, he played Test cricket in 84, 85, I think maybe even 86, you know, and then to be setting up a junior club and ringing kids, you know, whilst he was still fresh in our minds as a Test cricketer, it's pretty cool. Um, firstly, uh, but then later on, I, I guess you didn't really understand the power of that until I became an administrator. And, um, geez, it was uh, unbelievable um, what I learned from him in the committee room, to be honest. You know, he was... Uh, dogmatic in terms of getting things done um and you know i can recall committee meetings where he consumed quite a lot of it because of the sheer amount of work he was getting through quite astounding so um yeah he was uh he had a profound impact on me but i think the club uh has uh has a lot to thank for people like him, not just him, but certainly a profile that was able to go and give back, um, turn sausages, you know, do curation, uh, you know, weed spraying, bindi spraying, that sort of stuff, just so that the experience uh, for people playing cricket um, was enjoyable. So you don't find many people like that, to be honest. No, you don't. Saunder? Yeah, no, well, I think I've... Um mentioned a number of times throughout the podcast um you know my, my thoughts on on Dutchy Holland what, what a great man he was and I never had the uh the privilege I guess of having that exposure like Aaron had at club level but the thing that really stuck with me and, and I guess it was it was later on again where my my stepson was playing with the Tigers juniors I may have told this story before um and they they were in the same grade as the young the Toronto juniors team they're under 14s and at the time that team consisted of Jason Sanger Griffin Lee uh, felt, you know, I think it's Peter McCready, a uh, good musician. Um, there was a whole yeah. slew of them, and I'll, I'm going to talk about that with Aaron shortly because that's part of Aaron's career is that he's managed those exact players. So we'll come mm. back to that. Yeah, and, and my stepson at the time, he, he he hadn't played cricket till I'd come into his life, and that's what him in a bowl and hold a bat and whatnot. And um, watch, watching him play out there at um, a little ground out there at Blackalls Park, just. Uh, Finnan or waterboard? Finnan, I think. It's a little one on a corner. It's just that I don't think they use it for cricket. It's probably too small for cricket now. But Bob Street. Is... Sorry? Bob Street Oval, you'd be thinking of? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I was just standing end on, just, just watching it. And then Dutch came around for chat and he said, oh, g'day, Daniel, how are you going? Is that your young young, young bloke playing? And I'm like, oh, hey, Dutch. And I'm just like, oh, sec. I said, how's he know my name? The only interaction I'd ever had with him before was playing a second-grade mm. game against him back in 2000, 2001, about 13 years prior. Um, 
Yeah, and yeah, he's very complimentary about watching watching him bowl. And, and then about six weeks later, they had the return game at Luga, and he came over and took the time to tell me that the improvement he noticed in his game. And I thought, who would do that? I mean, didn't know me well, a thing. I'd played Rob, against Robert one. Holland. Ro- that, Robert exactly. Holland would. And it, that's what I mean. Robert Holland. He he never forgot a name, and I've heard this about. And stories said about him. He never forgot a name. No one was ever insignificant to the man. He took an interest um, like no other, and just you know, never, never asked for a thing from the game. He gave back to the game, and oh, I don't know. I mean, I know there's an oval named after him, but God, I think there should be competitions and more things named after the, the great man. And um, maybe the new chairman of Newcastle Cricket might be able to, yeah, pull a few strings. <laughs> Now, yeah, Aaron, well, we we, we, you yeah, go. Sorry, I was just going to say we do obviously have the, the one of the most prestigious trophies, the club championship, named after him, which is um, yes, true, it, true. It, highly sought after. And uh, I think when that was implemented, just to recap or, or, or round out what you were saying there, I think the reason why the committee back then made that decision shortly after his passing, of course, but um, was because he encompassed everything about a whole club mindset. Um, and he really was a bottom-up type administrator. And um, for a bloke that played at the highest level, you could excuse him for looking at it from top down, right? But he, he didn't. He gave it the perspective of looking, you know, from the bottom up. So yeah. Anyway, there we go. But yes. Now, before I ask you, uh, I'm, I'm, I believe there's a fascinating story or a very good story about a first grade century in there somewhere along the, along the line for, for for yourself. Talk to us about your time playing cricket out west. Um, and how that came to be and um, playing with the great Orange Cavaliers Career Club. Yeah, um, absolutely enjoyed it. Didn't had no idea what I was, you know, heading into when I headed out there. I, I, I went out there to run a, um, a pub with my, my dad and um, ended up, you know, cricket was really just like most people in the community. You, you do it to connect with people and, and, and become part of the community. So, I, I went down there without any preconceived view on who I was going to play with. I just went down to run this pub and then as September approached, I emailed the association and just asked for some uh, local contacts and, um, yeah, got um, got in touch with uh, the, uh, the Cavaliers and cracking blokes. And I'll tell you what, a bloody good cricket team. There was oh. there was, a, there was a couple of cricketers in that team that, that – um, Played New South Wales country and uh, and were prolific run scorers um, at every level they played. A bloke that never probably went to those heights, Stu Middleton, is a, oh. like one of the most talentedly gifted sports people across many sports. But he could bat, he could bowl, he could field, catch. He was he was like your uh, you know played through the same year. He was like that Andrew Simons, but probably a bit more polished in, you know, in, in some of his, um, like he was a genuine fast bowler. He was a genuine, uh, you know, middle order bat. You know, Simons probably was more of a, you know, different elite levels, of course, but, you know, Simons was more explosive and X-factor, but, you know, he wasn't as, you know, he wasn't an out quick and he wasn't probably the most reliable batsman, but he was powerful. Anyway, Stuart Middleton comes to mind, but, yeah, there's a swagger. Then. Well, that's where I met Trent Colley. And then Trent Colley obviously uh, spring springboarded me over to have a stint in in the UK, which was great, you know. So it was a great club. The people involved with it were brilliant. Um, and I know you've got some uh, plenty of linkages back out there, Dave. Um, and you, before I knew you as I do now, uh, remember a few times you'd 
lob up into the grandstands at Wade Wade Park, and I think you were well known for your trivia back back then, and uh, you were doing radio trivia and all sorts of things, and um, there wasn't a question you couldn't answer. It was very enjoyable. I thought, who is this human encyclopedia? <laughs> steady on, steady on with the nonsense. You're now, now you're having a lend. Um, yeah. So, but but back home. Um, now, I do believe there is a story about a first grade century. Is there not, Mr. Gray? Is it that if I am I got this wrong? Look at the smiles on the face. I believe there actually is actually a first grade century in there for A Gray in the NDCA. Yeah. What do you want to have here? <laughs> <laughs> I imagine that there are a lot of balls hit square and hit very hard in that innings because I'm pretty confident there wouldn't have been a lot of quick singles. Yeah, well, I uh, I hit my uh, one and only first grade century at a pretty young age. I was actually a card. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was uh, against Wall's End and there was a few balls in the canal. But I actually came in at number seven that day and I was only 16 or 17. Um, and uh, I just, you're right, I hit the ball hard. And I came in at, I don't know, we five for 70 or something, chasing maybe 200. And... Um, it's funny what you do at that age because you have no. I don't. You don't feel the. I don't think you feel the pressure, and I don't think you really understand your game well enough to know about the end result. You just go out and bat. And to be honest, I got lucky. Uh, probably why I didn't really score too many more hundreds in first grade. So, <laughs> and, and was one of our guests of a couple of weeks ago the great Jack Brown on the score on the scorebook that day, Aaron? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it was. Um, I can't remember the team entirely, but it was during that era where you would have had your gooses and and others playing there. It was a reasonably good team, so hmm, it's good. Well, they ended, that that club ended up winning an SCG Cup, of course. So when Reese Soper, Gary were there, uh, Brett Jackson, Luke Penfold, yes. young Nathan, you know, people like that. They had a a, a very very talented cricket side. 2005, um, six, I reckon. Something in there, yeah. Well, we were at the. We used to go out to um, Dubbo to help out at the at the at the semi-finals always before they went back to the final SCG, and we saw Reece Soper made 120 off 60 balls in one of those semi-finals. It was ridiculous. It was the, the the pureness of the hitting, oh, fantastic. So we get back in. We get you come back from from up in the, a stint in the central table, and you get home. What got you in, into being an, a cricket administrator? Was it a yearning? Was it someone asked you to get involved? How did it all evolve and get get to where you've got now? Sort of you, you've climbed this enormous mountain, a bit like a Tour de France hill. You've sort of gone round corners and up and around switchbacks and up and up and up and got yourself to the chair. Yeah, look, and to be honest, you don't really, uh, well, for me anyway, it's not like you ever get into anything and go, oh, I want to be that particular role or anything like that. Um, for me, I actually got involved with the committee at Toronto at the, off the back of probably one of our most successful ever seasons. We won every single competition except um, runners-up in first grade. We lost the first grade final, but we won first grade, second grade, third grade, Dennis Broad Cup, under-21s, like you name it, we won it. That year we had every single trophy in the cabinet, the club championship flag, obviously. Um, but there was the um, off the back of that, you know, I had a real – I was already doing, I guess, informally a lot of social stuff with the club, like I was running barbecues and, and getting the club back together on, on a lot. And it's not a one-person job, as you know. But, you know, I certainly was more passionate about that, bringing people together. So my interest in getting on the committee was just to give it a go and see if I could continue working through that stuff. Anyway, 
um, literally three or four months later, Jeff Oslin uh, decided to retire from the president. Um, and uh, I was back to do it as a really young uh, administrator. I didn't have any idea what I was doing. Um, so I'm really appreciative of people around me, like Robert Holland, like Alan Nichols, um, later on people like Greg Chad. Um, they all offer you something. And then as I became more accustomed to it, I actually took a break and then came back and did it for a few more years um, when the club probably needed, um, you know, again, in both of those times we'd hit little dips. Um, off the back of success at club cricket, you always find it dips a little. Um, but the second time around, it was really good because uh, we obviously went on to win a couple of club championship flags and then the first grade premiership. So very uh, rewarding, um, but not, I wouldn't say planned, sort of almost just got in and all rolled the sleeves up and got it done. And um, yeah, it was really rewarding. And yeah, Mud Lee's another one that's, she's an absolute workhorse um, in that last couple of years. Brilliant. But anyway, that's, Pretty boring administration, but um, certainly it's rewarding if you get it right. It's it's not boring when it's put into context uh, and and where it's developed. And you, um, if I can mention the people that you meant in there, I learnt so much. Uh, Alan Nichols is a quirky bloke at times, but goodness me, I've just by being next to him for hours and hours and hours, I've actually learned it from him. I really did. I think he's a good. I think he's a particularly good teacher, and he's got this way about him. And and I am a better person both as a cricket person and as a human being from actually spending time with him, if I can say that. I've known Greg Chad for a while and he, he watches his son religiously and he's a great bloke and Mudley's a gem and there's no other way of putting it. And there's a lot of people at that career club that uh, that are very good people and are salt of the earth and they make that club their club tick and they're still there, you know, it's, it's great. Mm. Mm. So... How did you end up? Or what? How did it evolve that you ended up on the NDCA management committee, Aaron? Uh, a funny story again. Uh, not with really any great ambition, but Alan Nichols was on the committee, and um, <clears throat> I don't. I don't really know. I, sometimes I just do things because I just feel like it's something that I should do. Um, and uh, I was asking Alan a fair bit about the committee, and. Um, we were working pretty close to run at this stage and he just um, alerted me to a vacancy and I put my hand up to give it a go. And I think at the time, um, you know, on reflection, I think it was um, probably more hype than it was than it was reality. But, you know, there was talk of clubs being probably wound back and, you know, reducing the competition by size. And um, I wasn't on the committee when those decisions were being had and I was pretty interested just to learn more about that. Um, and as time goes on, you learn that there was a little bit more to it. It just wasn't really portrayed well or sold well through through the media at times. But, um, yeah, I was pretty passionate about that. And, um, yeah, so I don't I, – I, admittedly, I don't really go into it with a deliberate plan or I'm going to get this outcome here, but um, just wanted to stick my hand up and wanted to, I guess, in, in, in on reflection, probably just trying to give back. Um, but I was pretty young, to be honest. I, it probably changed my playing career because it, it you give up more time administering and probably not keeping your fitness up and your uh, skills set up. So, you know, didn't kick on playing probably the way I, you know, in reflection would have liked to. But, um, yeah, hopefully contributed in administration anyway. Meet, get to meet palookas like yourselves anyway. That's one, one upside <laughs> to it all. 
Well, yeah, that's one of the dubious advantages. <laughs> Saunder, I've been talking for a while. I'm sure you've got something you'd like to put around on some, some, some I'm sh- over to you, sir. No, no, I'm just sitting back enjoying this. I mean, it, again, it's, it's all about the guests. But, um, I mean, you know, and I'll, I'll tip my hat off to Aaron. I mean, me and Aaron actually used to work together and we'd worked together for a good period of time before I realised he was that Aaron Gray that was involved in cricket circles. So we said it's you know, completely opposite ends of the office and the day that sort of the penny dropped, went up a bit of a chat and, well, yeah, five, six, seven years later, here, here we are. And it's just sort of funny how you run into people in life. But... um. I'll be careful how I word this, which isn't normally my way. I guess in life you get a lot of gunners, gonna do this, gonna do that, and you get a lot of doers. And Aaron is one of the most doing people that I've ever met. And cricket administration, I mean, the, the four or five years I've been involved doing what I've, I've been involved in, um, it's a thankless task. Um, but if you don't do it, it doesn't get done. There's so many people want to want things done, but not too many are prepared to actually get in and get things done. And, you know, the, the thing I respect the most about Aaron is he just gets in and gets things done. Process-driven, um, you know, a constitution follows it, which, you know, I've come from an area where constitution was, you know, when you can't do properly. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's been so refreshing. Thank you for that, Amish. That's, that's great. Yeah, that's one of your best, little man. Well, I was trying to keep it clean. Um, but I guess <laughs> what I think has helped me in, in my administration journey has been seeing the way people like Aaron go about their business as administration. So um, thank you. Um, and, and again, it, when you're around like-minded people, it makes you want to be better and it makes you want to do more. When you see that the effort you're putting in isn't for nothing. And yeah, yep. as far as I think yeah. that's it. Yeah. No, I appreciate that, Dan. It's um, and you're right. You know, working together to um, becoming, you know, partners in crime in some ways on the, uh, in metaphorically, just to clear it, clear that up. Um, in the uh, thank you. You know, in, in the cricket administration land. Um, look, yeah, there's tireless hours that you know, and it's not a one man show. But you're right. There's there are you know, I've probably seen a few passengers in that time. Just. Uh, meandering along but um thankfully the good people stay and i think the, the the good people tend to do long-term stints you know and i think um and and you know it's that balance because if you do overcook it you do get burnt out real quick um and it is voluntary work at the end of the day but look you know we just talked earlier and i know we haven't mentioned it and i'm not not sure whether it got a mention prior to today but dave's appointment is recently which i'm hoping is public knowledge because i'm about to share it publicly it's, um, it's it's not. Can I announce it or not? Probably not. You're the leave. chairman. You, uh, uh, no, is okay. if I'm going to be honest. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Anyway, David's, David's been a long-term administrator, and um, you know there'll be some news coming out. You know, reflective of that in in due course. But um, you know, people that put in that effort, and you know, you talk about getting things done, mate. Mary Poppins over here with his kit bag on a day game day. <laughs> Pulls everything, pulls a lamp out, pulls, you know, whatever he needs to pull out of that bag. Um, but that you get inspired by people like that around you, to be honest, you know, and everyone has different skill sets too. Like administration is a really funny thing where you can't all be the same. You know, I think you've used that term before, Dan, where if, you know, all the all the box of chocolates tasted the same, it'd be pretty boring, right? So um, I do think that you've got to have that diversity in people. And, um, 
and I think I enjoy being around people that challenge me and I hope they feel challenged by me with thought and provoking thought. And it, it's got me caught out in the past too because I'll be very honest with people. I'll just, you know, tell people exactly what I think and sometimes I don't spend enough time explaining the context and people might get offended by that. So I obviously forever apologetic to people that do get offended by that stuff. But I'm only ever coming from a position where I'd like to make a change and make a difference. And I think I'm very respectful of others along the way, although sometimes don't externalise that um, on reflection. But, yeah, certainly uh, it, it, it's it, you enjoy it. There's something about it that makes you kick, right? Don't know what it is, but, um, you know, it's it's uh, it's fun and you, and you keep connecting with people. A lot of change and a lot of development in Newcastle District Cricket Association in the couple of years. It's been an extraordinary couple of years with the, well, uh, suburban districts hasn't been extraordinary. It's just been well done, suburban districts. But I think where, uh, but the two things that I think that you and your committee should be very proud of is how suburban district has been assimilated into NDCA and the absolute explosion that is women's cricket. That is just an amazing what has happened there, even in the last in the in the environment the last twelve months. I, I am assuming, without asking you this previously, that you are quite proud of what the, the achievements and the development that is, and the fact that NDC has not stagnated in the last couple of years. Yeah, well, it has. I mean, you're right. The suburban districts um, was a brand new thing that got a sort of thrust upon us, if you like, maybe it's probably the right way to say that. And we just tried to, uh, you know, hold it all together and make it work. It was full of good people and we knew that and just bringing that together was important. Um, but to, to your point around women's cricket, I mean, it's, to be honest, quite astounding how yep. popular it's um, it's it's become so quickly. Uh, admittedly, first couple of years were probably stalled. Um, I don't think we got it right initially from an administrative perspective. But since we've formed this advisory committee, which is going up for election to go into the constitution, actually, um, in a couple of weeks at a special meeting, that advisory committee is is it's the people playing the game. It's the same as our grade advisory committee and our suburban districts advisory committee. It, it, it's the fabric of it's the same. Where you're asking people that are in the comp that want to have an opinion on it to help keep it progressive. Um, and the women's stuff's great. And obviously the appointment of Sharon Beck um, and obviously previously Kate Haberfield, they were just good, um, they were good sounding boards and, and influences to get us going in the right path. You know, cricket's often had this old male and stale um, type uh, commentary thrown around about it. And I think, I think um, Newcastle was the same. You know, we've had to diversify out of that. Um but, yeah, no, I think it's going well. I think it's got a long way to go as well. I mean, we've got lots of limitations with the women's sport, um, or the women's comp, sorry, because you've got the Premier stuff in Sydney, which a lot of our um, top-line players in the Newcastle comp will obviously need to continue to play. Um, the Central Coast plays theirs on Saturdays. There's just no possible way to do it. We don't have enough grounds as it is on Saturdays. So expanding other comps to Saturdays is going to be a real challenge. Um, but the, the strength of the midweek stuff is that, um, we guarantee they play on the best grounds. Um, this year we're going to have some more lights uh, pop on throughout the twilight period, um, and we hope that in the future we can go to a genuine day-night type option as well. But that's all got to come from and will be steered through that advisory group. So yeah, it's very um, uh, there's a long way to come with the women's sport, but to have 
I think we've got 18 teams, uh, 16 confirmed and two on the peripheral now um, across two divisions is just outstanding. Yes, it is. It's it's amazing. And I think that the fact that there is such a clear pathway and the fact that our, our, our women's representative sides are so good and they're good people and they play really good cricket is giving young women particularly an avenue and, and people that are into their 20s and 30s and 40s as well. But, you know, it's, it's just such a growth sport. It's phenomenal. Aaron, there's been a lot of issues about this next subject, so I'm going to try and be positive about it. Um, has have, has everybody worked together from your level going through the associations to work with PlayHQ to get some some of the bugs worked out and to make it uh, to, to hopefully have it being in a in a situation where it's going to be uh, more functional this year without being nasty? Oh, well, let's hope so. Um, it still lacks some of the basic, you know, uh, fundamentals that we had in the previous system. Um, draw management was one of those. Um, yep. You know, everything seems to have to be done in the CSV and then uploaded, you know, whereas uh, which requires a lot of heavy lifting to create draws. So, um, yeah, look, um, you know, Sharon's putting a massive lens on that at the moment. She's got a great uh, technical knowledge base for this stuff um, and and she'll, you know, try and get the best out of it. But, look, let's hope so. I think it's too early to know for sure. I know that, you know, following scores and, and stats is just a big issue. Um, last year it was, um, you know, very difficult to do your end of year awards and stuff like that. Um, and you being a scorer, Dave, you'd know full well how difficult it can be. And we had to go through laptop back to laptops, right? I mean, I say back to laptops. That works at some of the main grounds with power and stuff, but you know, you need to do it on a tablet at grounds that don't have access to that sort of power. And and to be honest, to get through your competition to have that really transparent uh ongoing score update and stuff. Um you know, that's where you want the scores coming in. It's easy enough to get first and second grade score in the world. Uh, look, yeah, agreed. Um, I'm not going to, but, but go on and on about that issue. It, it, yeah. Let's just hope. Let's just hope collectively it, it gets better. Mm. Just want to backtrack a little bit. Talk us through the season that was leading into a grand final and and Toronto's first ever first grade grand final win that. Must have been extraordinary. I remember. I'd like you to tell the story rather than me. I have you heard you talk about this. What was it like that season, and what was the grand final like at Newcastle Number One? Well, it, it's funny because you know um, the year before that, and that's I think you have to go back to that. We we were pretty positive about our season transitioning away from the second retirement of Paul Tool. Um, and uh, we appointed a guy by the name of Andrew Jeffrey to captain. <clears throat> and we had Chatty and we had, you know, a, a, you know, a bunch of other players. We had a reasonably good turn. Um, but we lost the first seven games of the season. And um, it's really difficult to turn your season around when that happens. So your, your finals is almost not, a, not an option. Um, anyway, um, for personal reasons, AJ had to... Um, retire, you know, because his third kid was arriving um, and whatnot. And Chatty became captain. And 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 um, just prior to AJ retiring, he won two games as skipper. He didn't go on the bounce and have to do a nudie run. But he, uh, he, he did win a couple of games and handed the team over to Chatty. And we won the last seven games of the season and just missed out on the finals by not much at all. 
But what they did, and you hear it all in the NRL and other things, it builds that momentum for the next season. But throughout that off-season, we, uh, you know, with AJ gone, we were looking for another top line back um, and, uh, and you know, started speaking with some people to come over. And that's when we spoke with Ryan Fenning and Dylan Robertson and Tim Cox, Brendan Charlton, thinking or hoping that we'd get one or two of those. And anyway, we ended up getting all four of them. Um you know, which was obviously exceptionally good um, for the team and for the club. Um, uh, and we also had young talent like Griffin Lee. We had a, you know, absolute killer season. Um, took two eightfers <laughs> uh, and a couple of fifers around that as well. I mean, that sort of bowling from a from a nineteen or twenty year old is just ridiculous. Um, uh, but anyway, we just kept we just kept winning. Um, we, you know. Didn't have the best start of the season with the one-day comp, but I think we made the final in that. I think we dropped two games in the one-days, but then we won every two-day. Uh, finished second um, when we probably should have won minor premiership, but we got bowled out really cheap in the last round of City. But, geez, I tell you what, the 60th year of the club, we had a 60th Diamond Jubilee event, you know, in February, which we had, you know, 250 people come in. We had two walls lined with the history of the club going right back to the 1959 um, when the club was, you know, those four clubs became one known as Southern Lakes. And uh, the people in the room, the history in the room, everyone just bought into it. You know, the, the whole club just got a full history lesson because there's a lot of new people involved. And a lot of those guys, those four players we recruited, one of the things that stands out to me was we only used 14 players in the entire season um, in first grade. So that tells me people were committed. Um, and uh, and the selectors obviously were had faith <laughs> somehow at times. But um, they stuck loyal. And at the start of the season, particularly given we had a few new faces, we actually did this exercise where we sat around the clubhouse and we, and we asked everyone to go and grab a picture off our history wall and put it in the dressing room above where they were going to sit. And that was, they had to tell a story about that picture. And I guess we were connected back with our history. And I, I stand by that. I think that's something we learned from Manly uh, with that partnership and the fact that, you know, you, you lean back into history and it just, I don't know, makes a hair on your, on your, on your arm stand up at times. Like it really, it makes you think about the people that have walked before you and you wanted to go out and win for them. So anyway, it all sounds a bit mushy, but in all honesty, um, it, it uh, we're a, an experienced cricket team, um, and every, and someone stood up every game. And in the final, well, geez, one of the, one of the biggest efforts, you know, two of our lower order, middle lower order bats, you know, um, got us home against the experienced Hemwicks attack. So yeah, it was a good win. The celebration was good. The ABC radio interview at seven a.m. Monday was also good. So. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone's got that podcast, I'd love to go and listen to it. Um, just uh, you, you, you mentioned talking about Trent Collie earlier. You, um, I shared a, a, a managing a, a Newcastle Colt side with you. Talk to us about and just and, and this is a little bit of a, a tangent, I suppose. But I remember speaking to you particularly after it. And I think that opened your eyes to what the guys go through at representative level, and and what that sort of cricket's like, and how how it's quite how it's 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 quite different. Uh, talk to us about your experiences there. In, in what? Sorry, Dave. Managing the Newcastle Colts side. Oh. I'm sorry, Trent. 
Yeah. Oh, well, and yourself, you know, I know you're always uh, very humble with that, but um, I actually thoroughly enjoyed those trips. I think uh, getting the team out there in Grey's Airlines was one of the highlights, but... Um, it certainly was. We, uh, look, it was great, you know, and, and the good thing, good and sort of tough thing for me being a, a socialite was the, the, the trips were completely boost for it, right? even for managers and coaches. So it was a really different way in which you connected with 18-year-olds, right? Like, you know, they're all chomping at the bit, wanting to go and have a good time. And, uh, you know, I'm also a young guy that likes to have a beer. But um, we, you managed the, the perfect, uh, you know, hospitality for us um, to make sure they were good fun. I loved rooming with you and Trent. Um, great stories, great jokes. I mean, I drink an organic tea. I only did that twice a year just to annoy you guys. Um, that stuff was all all good fun. But, no, I had a great time. I learned a lot, Dave. I know you don't like talking about it. I learned so much from you about how um, if your players are good and comfortable, they'll perform. You know, and, and and I know you live and breathe that stuff. And Trent, I really like Trent's coaching style. He's very modern, uh, very dynamic in the way that he went about his business. And absolutely, and it was really fun to to watch. To be honest, the hardest thing when you're still playing cricket and then managing or you know coaching a team, I think, is not being out there, being able to execute your, your plan. You've got to actually impart with that information on others, and then watch them try and execute it. And you can't help but feel attached to, to um, you know, what they're trying to achieve and, and hoping the best for them. But also there's something about it where it's like, cross the wish I was out there, you know, able to talk to the bowler at mid-off or, you know, try and do something just to rev the team up. But anyway, I had a great time. The uh, the under-17s, I think, was around about the same time. That that was a really fun one as well uh, when we played that tournament at um, Raymond Terrace and and... Newcastle won it for the first time since Simon Maundy in '97. So that was uh, that was pretty fun, and we had a handful of coaches for that. Mark Curry and Mark Cameron, I think, helped out a little bit as well as um, Neil McDonald. So everyone was chipping in. It was good fun. Saundo. No, I'm, I'm, I don't really have much else to be honest. I'm really okay. enjoying hearing these tales. It's it's, it's great. Very enjoyable. <laughs> Aaron, we. Again, sincere congratulations. There's actually just been a Facebook post come out that I've been I've been monitoring. I was waiting for it to come out. It's a magma- it's a superb achievement of yours, and, and and I suspect that in in your administration career, it's it's sort of the to a certain extent the piece de resistance, and it, it's been a, a fabulous, an amazing performance for yours to become a chairman of of such a big association, the biggest in New South Wales at such a young age. First of all, congratulations, but secondly. It's a it's a very broad question, but I think it's fair. What do you see as your role in that next twelve to twenty four months with our cricket? Look, to be honest, it's such a big role, you know. And I think the reason why it's um, taken so long for Paul to be able to exit, you know, we've been we've been publicly campaigning for um, some people to get involved, and you know, look, to be honest. Um, Sometimes you look within. I've been on there twelve years, and and it was you know I says and with Sharon's appointment, you know I guess she could assume a lot of the duties that I was doing as secretary. The other good news in all of this is Josh Moxie's moved in the secretary seat as well, you know, and I think that's a really good appointment. He's he's a really experienced um, and very young, and you know adds a bit of youth to that 
um, seat as well um, with both of us in our 30s, which is helpful. But in the next 12 to 24 months, I actually, you know, did say to the committee, I don't really, I'm not putting um, any election promises on the table, even though the ballot was me and me. But um, it was more about stability. I think Paul has brought so much to that role and he's given it such a profile the, the worst thing we could do is go and just start unraveling all of that. I think we've got to try and leverage off that. Um, we've got to find ways. There's a lot of stuff that's been simmering for a couple of years that we've sort of, you know, respectfully said, look, that's probably a new administration's, um, uh, you know, we need to leave it available for them to look at because people like Paul, who are obviously at the back end of their administrative time, um, you know, Alan Nichols and, and others that have, exited and Scott Lucas there was a, we, we've we have turned over a little bit um of, of guys that wanted to take a break say retirement but you can always come back um you know so we, we've got a new fresh committee I suppose and there's an opportunity there to go and have a crack at uh taking on some of these bigger ticket items and one of those is um our external relations we really need to get um, right into all of our councils and make sure that they understand we're really serious about what we're doing and stick our flag in some of these infrastructure uh, grants and try and really keep, keep taking that forward. Um, obviously, we've got a dynamic set of competitions that sit underneath everything now. It's not just first to fourth grade. You know, we've got Masters, we've got uh, DV Cup, we've got the Women's, we've got the Suburban Districts, which is just gigantic. Um you know, then you've got your summer bash. So it's very dynamic. Um, we're partnering up with the veterans now too. They run their veterans carnivals. This year we're going to have national championships um, in Newcastle. So cricket's going to have a fair spotlight on it in the next little while. Um, and to me, it's probably about holding it all together um, for a little while and letting Sharon really sink her teeth into the role um, and, uh, and letting Josh sink his teeth into the secretary's role. And then I think we're really going to work well as a... Um, as an executive, and obviously Shane Burley's our deputy chairman. He's coming with a wealth of experience in business. You know, he's a CEO of a company um, and has, you know, an extremely impressive resume with his playing and coaching um, career as well. So we, we've got a lot of strength on the committee, um, but it is in some ways still very new. Everyone, the, the, the foundations and the personalities are new. So we've got to work all that out. hope that answers your question. Oh, extremely comprehensive, actually. It's 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 a very good answer, and uh, I do agree. You've mentioned her a couple of times. The appointment of Sharon Beck is pivotal to all of this because Sharon Beck's a flat-out very fine administrator, and I think that that's going to have long-lasting effects for cricket across the spectrum if if Sharon is involved over a long period of time, which I'm sure we all hope that that can happen. I think it's a very wise move and a very good appointment, and. Look, she's an outstanding administrator. It's as simple as that. There's no, there's no way around it. And yes, there are challenges. It's a big, it's a big city with lots of different dynamic characters and quirky people and people that, that have, you know, see things from their own perspective. Mm. It, it's it's growing and um, there's a lot to do. But I'm sure that you'll you'll take it as you usually do with most things. Take it on head on and go straight at it and be direct with it and 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 and. Mm. Give it everything, which which is all anyone can ask, I suppose. Yeah, and look, you know, just to touch again on Paul's time. I mean, he's um, <clears throat> what he's been able to achieve, you know, in that role. 
with again lots of change around him. You know, there's been um, obviously long, Royce was a long-standing secretary, and he, you know, there would have been this very uh, routine element of working with someone for such a long time through your, your chairman um, chairmanship, but. You know, to bring on women's cricket, masters cricket, the Newcastle Steel concept playing down in the Sydney Cricket Association. Um, you know, I've missed something there for sure. But suburban districts, of course, you know, that came on. And Paul's guidance and leadership through that was ridiculous. You know, we couldn't have done it without, you know, his um, his ability to, and his profile, like, to be honest, gave credit straight up, you know. And um, when Paul said it was worth doing, I think people got behind it. So... Um, that helps immediately. Um, but yeah, well, so much done and such an expanse, an expansion on the association from where it was when he started before Facebook and Instagram was a thing. Can you believe it? You know, imagine the societal changes that clubs have had to go through. And, you know, we've still got things in our constitution that talk about fax machines and telephones at grounds. I mean, well, everyone's got one of them now, haven't they? You know, it's in their pocket. So, Correct. a lot of changes. World's changing very quickly. <laughs> um, thank you so much for your time. Uh, sincerely, congratulations on your appointment. We wish you all the best. Like, thank you so much for your time. It's been really, really interesting to sitting back, firing questions, and having you be so forthright and honest with us, which we both appreciate, and our listeners will. I look forward to seeing you very shortly. Um, when cricket and cricket's not far away, that's the best thing about it. Cricket's just around the corner. Um, and again, I think you highlighted a minute ago the country champs in Newcastle. It's not before; it's, it's overdue. And we're going to be able to show off our grounds and our people and our city, and um, a lot of people from the from other from the real from the real bush from around the place are really looking forward to coming to Newcastle. So you know, we get to get get to see and get to show off what we've got, which is great. Um, Aaron, thank you very much for your time. We really appreciate it on behalf of both. Thank you for giving up your time tonight, and we wish you all the best. Yeah, thanks, guys, and just. Finishing on both of you, you've both had some really good news recently and congratulations and well-deserved to both of you. Thank you. Thank, thank you so much. Saundo, great to, great to do this again with you. It's been an absolute pleasure tonight. I um, hope you're well, my, my friend, and look forward to seeing you very shortly. And in fact, I will be seeing you in, in a bit shorter time frame than normal. We might have another podcast coming in a couple of nights. Yeah, no, thanks, Fred. And thanks once again, Aaron. I know I've campaigned hard, Aaron, trying to get him on because I knew he was such a fantastic history and a story for to tell. And I really think um, it's going to be some good listening for, for people who've, who've chosen to listen in this week. So thanks again, Aaron. Redders, again, brilliant as always. Thank you. Making um, my role very simple, just sitting here and observing. It's great. <laughs> Thank you to Aaron Gray on behalf hey, of guys. Take care. On behalf of um, Aaron Gray and Dan Saunders, this is David Redden. Enjoy your cricket. Go Australia wherever they're playing. Just keep on beating the RPs. I know we got beat the other night, but just keep on beating South Africa. That's always a good thing. Take care. Bye-bye.